There's the kick. It is up. It is no good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us, talk crap about the defense, like we're the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Kirkpatrick. Enzo. Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday, going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. NFL Friday, WFUV's football podcast. My name is Chris Hennessy. I got my man Bridge Gotham here with me. We're going to break down the NFL draft. Bridge, how are we living? Pretty good. I mean, the NFL is always so exciting because it feels like the offseason is so short, right? You have the Super Bowl, you have the draft two months later, then you have OTAs. It's just, it's nonstop, and the draft is the best time of the year if you're an NFL fan in terms of the offseason. Well, especially this offseason with the craziness that's ensued at the quarterback and wide receivers positions, and we'll get into a little bit of that as well um, with A.J. Brown headed east. But we're going to start with uh, the New York Jets. They draft at 4-10 and 10 coming in, so we knew that. And for me... I I really wanted Debo Samuel on the Jets. I thought that that was going to be a great fit because, yes, you have Elijah Moore. Yes, you have Corey Davis, um, and, and now you have uh, Uzama from Cincinnati. I thought Debo could have provided a really a really interesting kind of level to their to their offense that Mike LaFleur knows how to use because he just saw it work last year with Mike McDaniel in San Francisco. Uh, it sounds like San Francisco's price was too rich for the Jets' taste, so they went with Sauce Gardner at four, which I loved. Garrett Wilson at 10, which I liked, but then you come out of the top 10 without a defensive end. It's like, ugh, I don't know. man, I wish we had Kayvon Thibodeau on our team. They trade back up with Tennessee to get Jermaine Johnson the second out of Florida State. They get three first-round picks at three premium positions of need, cornerback, wide receiver, and defensive end. People are loving the Jets draft from pick one to their last pick in the fourth round. I, I love it too. Yeah, I mean, I think most – Experts are giving them an A to an A plus because, to your point, they they really addressed all of their needs with two top ten picks, as well as the Giants. It's it's kind of hard to screw that up, but it's also hard to really please all the fans. And I think Sauce Gardner was a fantastic pick, and then Wilson at ten. I mean, Wilson to Wilson is going to be a combination we'll see in the fall. And yeah, he may not be Debo Samuel. To your point, his price tag was was far too high, and it does appear that, you know, the Niners are really reluctant to, you know, they don't want to trade him. He's, you know, he's a once-in-a-generation talent. Um, but, of course, you know, there's disagreements. You know, he doesn't like the way he's being used, perhaps, you know, as a running back, you know, the wear and tear that will potentially impact him long-term. Um, you know, 400 yards on the ground, 1,400 through the air last season with, with San Francisco. But, you know, recently, you know, GM John Lynch of the Niners, he, you know, he, he said, I don't want to trade him. He's too good of a player. So for the Jets to, to get Wilson at 10, I think that's going to be perfect. And then again, trading to get that 26 pick to, to pick up Jermaine Johnson, oh my gosh. I mean, that really solidified, I think, what you could call a perfect first round for Gang Green. Yeah, I, I think that first round really left a lot a t- good taste in everybody's mouth coming out of it. And uh, there was a point there, post the Wilson pick, 
when A.J. Brown got traded to Philadelphia where I was like, man, oh, man, did we screw this up. But it, it felt like they they really bounced back. They end up taking seven players total. We mentioned those three guys. In the second round, they go with Brees Hall, who was rated as the number one running back in the entire draft. He, he was rated on the levels of some of the best college prospects we've seen at the running back position, Saquon Barkley, namely, and obviously you hope he has a better pro career than Saquon. Obviously, the the running back position has fallen in terms of need and the elite level talent over the past 10 years, we'll say, since LaDainian Tomlinson retired, maybe. But to get a guy, you had Michael Carter, the running back Michael Carter, who had a pretty good season last year. Now you had Brees Hall and you had this kind of two-headed monster back there. Joe Douglas has successfully done with this pick, with Jeremy Rucker, we'll just talk about all these offensive guys. Jeremy Rucker at 101, who's a Long Island kid from Ohio State, and the offensive tackle Max Mitchell from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. With all those guys, plus Wilson, you have done what the GM before him in McCagnan, and honestly himself in some kind of way, never did with Darnold. You've surrounded Zach Wilson with a with on paper a, a, a an offense with multiple Pro Bowlers on it. Now we'll see if all these picks pan out. Obviously Denzel Mims did not, and Mackay Becton we still have a lot of questions about. But for now, Joe Douglas is the best general manager in the last ten years for the Jets. Oh yeah, oh, I love the Brees Hall pick because you know you look at running backs in general, and right as you said, Ladamian Tomlinson about ten years ago, like taking a running back so early on is just. It's shown to just not really be the best long-term solution. Like the Giants took Saquon at two in 2018, and you know he's barely seen the field uh, post his rookie season. You know, a running back. You know, it's an investment, but it's a. You know, you got to be smart about it. Taking Brees Hall in the third round. You know, you pair him with Michael Carter, and then you get a guy like Jeremy Rucker. You know, he's like a well-rounded tight end, and that's a guy who can make an immediate impact. So you got Zach Wilson has all the weapons, and at this point, you just have to hope that no one gets hurt. And the Jets are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And Aside from the Bills, I think the AFC East, I think that second-place spot is, I think it's more open than people realize. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. It's impossible for me to count out New England just because they did make the playoffs last year with Mac Jones. At the end of the day, if Zach Wilson is good, which I think is is still a question at this point, um, I would love to buy one of those T-shirts that just says Zach Wilson is good, but I don't know if I believe that yet. Uh, so if he is good, though, I think that Joe Douglas has put them in a great position to be a playoff caliber team maybe next season. I, I would have liked a a, um, a veteran wide receiver. I don't think that's over necessarily. I do think that DK Metcalf could get moved still for a first-round pick next year maybe. But, you know, uh, and the other thing is if Debo and DK are not happy, then they're going to be free agents. The Jets have a whole lot of cash uh, in the bank right now. They have a very cheap team, so I, I think that, that's a way they could go too. Is wait it out until next season, see if one of those guys wants to come in free agency and overpay the hell out of them because that's what free agency is. But you know that that's that's kind of what you need. So I think Jets get an A across the board from pretty much everybody and a great third draft for Joe Douglas. The first one was looks bad right now, the real bad. The second one looks pretty good. Third one on paper, haven't played a game yet, haven't even practiced, looks absolutely fantastic. Let's move uh, to the Giants. They pick at five. So Sauce Gardner goes right ahead of them to the Jets. And they go, they run this pick up to the up to the, the dais and go with Kayvon Thibodeau at defensive end. This was the smart pick because you had three guys at five who you would have loved. Two of them were offensive linemen, and there was Thibodeau. 
So you forced by taking the defensive end, you know, this is draft strategy, you know, fantasy football draft strategy. By by taking the defensive end, you forced Carolina into picking an offensive lineman. You didn't take any risk there. You could have picked Neal at five and Thibodeau at seven. It really doesn't make a difference. But if if you take Neal or Aquanu at five, then you're leaving Thibodeau open for the Panthers at sixth. They just basically let Carolina pick their offensive lineman for them. Everybody grades all three of these guys, Icky, Neal, and um, Charles Cross, very highly. So it feels like there's not really much of a difference. And now you have Thibodeau on the defensive line, Evan Neal at right tackles. They said he's just going to start right away. Two plug-and-play, put him in and forget about it kind of guys. That's how you really start this rebuild for Joe Shane. You saw it with Mekhi Becton. You saw it, uh, Gettleman try to do it with Andrew Thomas. That could end up being a good pick for the Shane regime. You've seen it a billion times before. Uh, I love it. I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that, that gets you started on the right foot, having a guy who could chase after the quarterback and a guy that could protect your own. Yeah, well, I think for Joe Shane, I mean, I think Giants fans are extremely pleased with this draft. And, yeah, he played it so smart because I think the consensus was you got to take a tackle with your first pick. But then when you see a guy like Thibodeau still on the board there and you say, well, I know I'm going to get one of these two tackles with my seventh pick. You know, it's not necessarily a gamble at all to just pick up Thibodeau, let the Panthers take their guy, and then the Giants get Evan Neal at seven, which, you know, Evan Neal was by a lot of uh, draft, you know, Raiders, you know, he was top three uh, prospect. So to get a guy like that at seven to to fill the void uh, on their offensive line is going to be just a huge pickup. And I think the Giants just in general should feel really good about where they're going. They get an edge rusher in Thibodeau, so their defense gets um, you know gets a boost. You know I think their secondary could still use a lot of work, but I think their front seven is looking a lot better. With a, you know you still got a young guy like Aziz Ojulari there manning the middle of that defense, and then on the offensive side, you know this is Daniel Jones' make or break season. It's going to be um, interesting to see how they look. You know, Kenny Galladay, you have him coming back. He didn't score a touchdown last season. So, you know, you add um, some more protection up front, and you hope that Jones is able to stay healthy, and he still has a Saquon Barkley to hand it off to, and, you know, maybe this Giants team can actually make some noise. Yeah, and it feels like the Giants are ready to lose a lot of games if Daniel Jones isn't good because they they have no cap space. They are absolutely crunched to the top of the, the salary cap, and... Bryce Hall and C.J. Stroud are coming out next year. So if the Giants are in the top three with the Jacksonville or Detroit or the Jets, you could see them getting one of those two guys to be the quarterback of the future. I would not be surprised at all if the Giants lose a lot of games this year. You know, nobody loses on purpose. I get it, but lose the games on purpose, please, God. Uh, I'm done watching Daniel. I'm not even a Giant fan. I'm done watching Daniel Jones. He gives me major Darnold vibes, and I'm I'm not here for it. Throughout the rest of the Giants draft, they go with Wandale Robinson from Kentucky at number 43 overall in the second round. Interesting pickup. Uh, I think him and Kadarius Tony could make a great combo for the for their careers, two young guys, same age kind of thing, and Kenny Galladay being their kind of mentor situation. I, I, I like the pick of another wide receiver. Again, you, you don't want to give up on Jones yet because you do have him for another year. So they're going to try to make him good. Uh, so why not give him, give him another, another weapon? So I like that one. They draft... A guard out of North Carolina at 67. Uh, they drafted so many players. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah. I'm not going to go through all of them because I don't know a ton about some of these guys from the sixth, sixth, and, round. Yeah, yeah. sixth and seventh rounds. But at the end of the day, they, they filled some positions of need. They help, help out Daniel Jones a little bit. Uh, and I, I love Joe Shane's first, first run at the draft here. 
yeah, I love it too. And of course, it's going to come down to how they play on the field. You get a new head coach and Brian Dable running, you know, running the schemes. You know, new defensive coordinator. So you know they're going to look a lot different, but it's still a lot of the same guys. So you have to hope that you plug the holes, because if it doesn't work, then you know they're going to be going for that top three pick because Daniel Jones, you know, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So yeah, either he's their quarterback of the future or he's gone after this year. Yep, agreed, agreed. I I, I wonder. I think there's no way Daniel Jones is the quarterback in 2023. I don't. I think it's just hard to see it. I mean, yeah. I mean, he would have healthy. to have a legitimate MVP caliber season. Need to throw for 4,000 plus. I mean, and I don't think he's capable of that at the NFL level, which is a shame. And, and I think, you know, when Darnold was on his way out with the Jets, I, I said, you know, I think that there's a there's a path to him being a competent NFL quarterback. Obviously, that doesn't look correct right now. Um. I don't know if there's a path to Daniel Jones being a competent NFL quarterback. I don't. I, I, he turns the ball over way too much. It's weird. Like you, you expect a guy from Duke to go in the first round, not in the NFL, but the NBA draft, right? Certainly. I mean, yep. you take him so early at yeah. six, right? right. I mean, <laughs> Basketball and baseball, not football. Seriously, right? Duke. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So th- let's uh, wrap up the rest of the top five here. We got to four and five, Sauce and Thibodeau. Number one was a surprise if you hadn't tuned in to draft coverage for the last month. But for the last couple of weeks, it has been Trayvon Walker. Just an hour before the draft, he was a minus 400 favorite to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is insane because Trayvon Walker could be a great player. I want him to be a great player. I have nothing against the guy. But he is legitimately Vernon Golston. It's exactly what he is. A guy who had a fine college career, can claim he wasn't really used in the right scheme, had a fantastic combine, is an incredible athlete, but just might not be a very good defensive end. And that's who Jacksonville takes. They, To me, Jacksonville had to go with a safer pick, whether it's Hutchinson, whether it was Thibodeau. They had to go safe. They didn't. They went with the with the high-floor, low-ceiling guy, which if it works, great. But you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. I, I, I don't see this one as a great home-run pick. It, it's just hard because, yeah, Jacksonville's such a – it seems like they miss every year, and – you know, luckily, you know, he'll have okay, a lot. Okay, I'm going to challenge that. They had the number one pick the year the greatest college prospect of all time came out. They just hired the wrong coach last year. Trevor right. Lawrence right, right, right. Is, 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 the, is Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Level but college but everyone's going to take uh, Lawrence at one last year. I feel like that's not, that's not the that's Jaguars fair. being smart necessarily. But yes, 100%, yeah. But you still have to make the pick. I was going to say that, you know, at least, you know, Trayvon Walker's going to have opportunities next season. He's going to be their starter. He can get those double-digit sack numbers if he really wants to because – you know, no, you know, the job is his, right? You're the number one overall pick. You're gonna have a chance. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, hopefully with Urban Meyer gone, you know, their offense can at least look the way it did in that last game of the season when they knocked off the Indianapolis Colts. Exactly, and that that's what it's gonna have to look like. And and I think when you look at last year's rookie quarterbacks, Mac Jones is the one that leaves you with the best taste in your mouth. Zach Wilson showed you a little something after he came back from the injury. You, you can talk yourself into, here's what I'm getting, you can talk yourself into the other quarterbacks being good based on what they showed in NFL games. I don't know if you could do that with Trevor Lawrence after what we saw last year. He, he, he was not good in just about any game last year. He, he was fine in that Colts game. That was more of the Colts blowing it in my eyes. Yeah. So we'll have to see. I mean, that, that's the pick. That's the thing with the Jets draft, with the Jaguars draft, with all these other ones that we'll talk about. You know, the Giant, Like these Giants picks could be completely irrelevant based on who they pick next year. It's all about who you have at the quarterback position, and if you have somebody who isn't good, 
It's not going to matter who your defensive end is, uh, to be perfectly honest, because they're going to have to you score points. you got to score points. So, uh, Number two was Aiden Hutchinson to Detroit. This was a very safe pick. Hometown kid, University yeah. of Michigan, Plymouth, uh, from Plymouth, Michigan. He, he's a really, really, really good football player, like a very good football player. I was surprised that Walker hurdled him in the draft, um, but so be it. Uh, if you're Detroit, they there was a I, there was a rumor I saw that the NFL was upset with Detroit on how, with how quickly they brought their card to the table because once they didn't say Aiden Hutchinson, they ran the card to the table. They're so excited to have this kid. Him and Dan Campbell are a match made in heaven. Uh, I love it. How can you not? I mean, <laughs> this guy was a runner up for the Heisman, and he's not a quarterback. So I think you just gotta just think about that. Yep. Right, hometown kid. He's from Michigan. It's a great story, and yeah, I mean, you know, we just talked about how Trayvon Walker isn't the safe pick, right? High ceiling, but pretty low floor. Hutchinson, on the other hand, if you watched him at Michigan, I mean, he was a machine. And for Detroit to him be in that able, Ohio State game, yeah. Oh my God! Oh, I mean, in the snow too. I that mean. was outrageous. <laughs> that was one of the most outrageous performances of the yeah. entire college football season. Yeah, and if he bring, you know, he's used to that Detroit weather. I know four fields inside, but you know. He yep. can play in the cold. If you go over to Lambeau, you know, you get those away games. He's going to be so good. And, uh, yeah, and si- uh, similar to uh, Walker, you know, he's going to be a starter from day one. You know, he's gonna Lions are going to give him the chance to really perform. Yeah, not a lot of uh, – we'll get to the quarterbacks in a minute, but it does feel like a lot of day one starters. Oh, yeah. Both the Giants and the Jets said that about their guys. Uh, you know, I think when you're picked in the top five, you're a day one starter. Right. But even as you go down the board, there's a lot of day one this guy is going to be in the starting 22. Number three, to me, was the first big shocker. As I'm watching this as a Jet fan, I'm sitting there after Walker and Hutchinson. I'm like, okay, that's pretty chalk. So we're going to get our. So let's see who the Texans pick, assuming they're going to pick either Sauce or Thibodeau, mm-hmm. and we're going to get the other guy, which is fine with me. They go with Derek Stanley Jr., the quarterback at LSU, who's a heck of a football player. I don't want to take anything away from him. He was not mocked above Sauce on Anywhere I could find. I, I did a ton of research for this podcast, trying to find anybody who had Stingley over Sauce, and there was nobody that I could find. If you did find it, reach out, please. But this, to me, this makes the Sauce pick better for the Jets because it feels like we stole him from the Texans. This felt like it should have been Gardner, but it was Stingley, who's a great player, but should probably be a Carolina Panther. It's nothing against Stingley. It's against the Texans, where it's like, what were you seeing that nobody else was? Yeah, No, I mean, I agree with you once again because... Yeah, the Sauce Gardner was there for the taking, and you got a guy and Derek Stingley Jr., who again is a really good player. But I mean, he's missed like what thirteen games over the past couple of seasons, and they're basing this draft mostly on how well he played in twenty nineteen, which was a long time ago. I mean, that was before the pandemic. And um, yeah, how can you? It's just so hard because I think every draft analyst, just like you said, it was going to be Thibodeau or Sauce. And then the Jets get the one that isn't taken, and then the, or a quarterback, or who's he going to right. take in Malik Willis? Right, right. But wow, I mean, I think the Jets just have to be so happy with how this panned out because then they got Gardner, and then at ten they were able to get the guy they wanted as well. Hundred percent agree. The rest of the top ten is Drake London at eight. He's the first receiver off the board. He goes to the Falcons from USC. Didn't like this move for Atlanta, not because Drake London's not a good player. But they have so many needs. I would have liked to see them trade out of the top 10, especially in a weaker draft. Um, but, I mean, if they really like Drake London, obviously Calvin Ridley suspended for the whole year uh, for gambling. So 
They need a receiver. They don't have a quarterback, but they need a receiver. So I guess that's good. And they end up getting Malik Willis later in the draft. Uh, Or no, not Malik Willis. I'm sorry. Uh, They got Ritter, right? Yeah, Desmond Ritter. Yes. Desmond Ritter, excuse me. So at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world, but I personally would have liked to see Atlanta trade down. I think think you could have gotten Green Bay to trade up with you. Certainly could have gotten New Orleans because they ended up training up for Olave. Right. I didn't love this. Yeah, it's 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 a high pick for Atlanta, and yeah, it's not the strongest draft class. So, yeah, you, you hope the best for Drake London because with Calvin Ridley out, he's going to have chances. He's going probably going to be WR one for them next year. And what is it, Mariota's technically well, their well, starter. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is the number well, one target. Yeah, he's a tight, tight end. end but, yeah, of course. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's just you know technicalities really, yep. but um. Yeah, well, so you have Mariota, I think, running their offense technically, and then of course, you know, they they get Ritter in the draft. So we'll see if that becomes a competition in training camp. Um, you know, you'd think the veteran starts the season. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, so you know, I just I think if they had traded back, like right, maybe with a team like Green Bay, they could have just picked up more pieces that would be more beneficial in the future because next year's draft class is much better. Yeah, definitely agreed. The last pick of the. Top ten or the last pick of the top ten was Garrett Wilson to the Jets, but number mm-hmm. nine was Charles Cross to the Seahawks as they just tried to not get Drew Locke murdered. Um, yeah. Sure, congratulations, that team is terrible, um, and I'm glad that the Jets got there. They got to pick above the Jet. They got to pick above their original first round pick, which is kind of funny because they did trade away Russell Wilson. Um, so they got the guy they would have gotten if they didn't trade Jamal Adams, but they, for Jamal Adams, but they did, and uh, the Jets get Garrett Wilson because of it. So they they're going to walk away from the Jamal Adams trade with Elijah Vera Tucker. And Garrett Wilson, and hopefully that all works out. Uh, there's two trades I want to talk about uh, from the first round. The first one is A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Tennessee wide receiver was in that situation where he was not a first-round pick four years ago. That non-first-round pick class from four years ago includes Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, and A.J. Brown, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, so he is on a contract year. He wants the money. Tennessee doesn't want to give it to him. It's a $100 million contract he ends up getting from the Eagles. The Titans take Traylon Burks out of Arkansas with that pick. I like this move for Philadelphia for obvious reasons. They haven't had a legitimate wide receiver since, what, Deshaun Jackson returned the punt on on yeah, Christmas against the that. Giants? Yep. Um, that That's probably the last time they had a legitimate wide receiver was that era of Deshaun Jackson. And granted, they've won the Super Bowl since then, but... Yep. Now they have A.J. Brown. The Tennessee comes in, gets Traylon Burks. It feels like they're kind of in a little bit of a rebuilding stage almost because they end up taking Malik Willis later in the draft. They have Traylon Burks now. Really, Derrick Henry's the only guy there at this point who has proven something. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill, he's getting older. So I like the move for Philadelphia. Tennessee had their hand forced. They didn't want to pay their wide receiver $78 million guaranteed, which is fine. But I I don't know what the direction of Tennessee is at this point. It's so weird because they have that magical run a couple years ago in the playoffs. You know, they they end Tom Brady as a Patriot. I think they go all the way to the AFC Championship game. And, and you, they almost beat Kansas City. You, you think, you're like, wow, is this the Ryan Tannehill we watched in, in Miami for all these years? And he Tannehill looked like a completely different player. But, you know, as time has gone on more recently, he has shown flashes of that Tannehill. He, he looks a lot more like the Tannehill of Miami. He's not... I wouldn't put him in the superstar. I'd put him as an average quarterback in the NFL at this point. And, yeah, all they really have is Derrick Henry in terms of a really strong superstar offensive piece, and they don't see the future of their franchise 
being led by Ryan Tannehill, so that's why they took a quarterback. And they know that it, why pay A.J. Brown all this money if they're not going to be contending, at least in the near future. So I think it makes sense to trade him there. And, um, it, or is it why pay A.J. Brown all this money when we can use that money to build a contender around a quarterback who isn't very good? That too. That, too. that so, might be it. Yeah, I think that might be a better approach, actually. And I've seen so ESPN says, yeah, it's a four year, $100 million deal with the Eagles that now following the trade Brown has agreed to with the Eagles. That's $57 million guaranteed. Oh, 57, not 75. My bad. That's still, I mean, a still lot. a lot of money. <laughs> Ridiculous amount of money, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know what? I, the Eagles, I think the Eagles side of it's more interesting because I still don't think Jalen Hurts really looks like a guy who can throw the ball downfield very well. I don't think that's his strength. I think his strength is in his feet and his wheels and his ability to run, but he's going to have receivers to throw to. I mean, they took, you know, they took some guys last year as well. Um, so we'll see. Can you be a deep threat but not have a good quarterback, right? It, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah. It's just a tough situation. I think you still have to feel good if you're Philly to well, have they, a guy they like added, that. They added another first-round pick next year with the Saints trade from before the draft. So clearly they have their eyes set on the future, and if Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, I think this is the year that they have to decide that. I think yep. they've they've kind of committed to that. So. I, I have no reason to not believe in this Philadelphia front office. If you're an Eagles fan, obviously this is the group that brought you a Super Bowl. So Yeah, Howie Roseman. And, yep. yep. So I think I think that they're also the guys who moved on from Carson Wentz at the exact right time. Oh, yeah. They, so, that was the best decision I think that franchise has ever made. So I mean, seriously. They are. I, I do trust them uh, when it comes to that situation. The last trade is Hollywood Brown to Arizona for the 25th overall pick which Baltimore turns into Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. Like that pick for Baltimore because they need run blocking because that's all their quarterback does is run. Yep. The Arizona Cardinals, many people have them graded as an A-, A-, B+, that area, for the draft. And you can tell me that their fourth-round pick was great value, whatever. That's just blowing smoke. I have them as a loser for a very simple reason. Who the hell is Hollywood Brown? Do we know who this guy is at the, at the NFL level? He's been on and off again. They've done everything to please Kyler Murray. They did nothing to replace Chandler Jones. I don't know that Arizona's going to be any better than they were last year, and they got thumped in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, they looked overmatched. Uh, their strong their strong start to the last season was was a fluke, it appears as, as so, and I think if you take away Hollywood from Marquise Brown's name, what is he exactly? Exactly. It's... Right, I mean, he—it's that name that carries that reputation, not necessarily his play on the right. field. He's—he's he's hurt often. They I call him like. Hollywood because he's from Hollywood, Florida. That's a legitimate thing. That's actually true, and it's a little bit symbolic of his play as an NFL player. And I have nothing against him. He's buddies yeah. with Kyler. He went to Oklahoma. Right, sure. they have that connection. So I—that is another part. I think if if you're a Cardinals fan, at least you think, oh, you know, you see in uh, Cincinnati two college teammates really, you know, making it happen. So perhaps they could. Yeah, have some of that same magic there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's interesting. I, I thought of it that way. And then this is obviously a move to replace Christian Kirk, who was very important to their offense last year. Ends up getting a huge payday from Jacksonville. And then Desha- um, not Deshaun Watson. D-Hop. Thank you. DeAndre Hopkins ends up getting suspended six games for taking PEDs. So now they don't have their number one receiver. They replace their number two receiver with a guy who's pretty much unproven. They don't have a first-round pick from this year. Man, I, I don't see I don't see how Arizona got better. I really don't. 
Um, and that's kind of the point of the draft is to make your team better. So, I don't know. And then the last first-round storyline I have is Pittsburgh taking the Jersey boy. Pitt, uh, you, you Pitt uh, alum Kenny Pickett, the fifth-year senior from Pittsburgh, takes goes across the street to the Steelers for the 20th overall pick. I like this move for Pittsburgh. Obviously, they had to draft a quarterback. They had to get a quarterback somehow. I guess they didn't have to draft one. Um, and they they really scouted. You know, Mike Tomlin did his thing where he says everything is globally. Um, so yeah, he did the globally the global search for a quarterback, and ended up with the guy who practices in the same facility. So uh, if this is their guy, I trust Pittsburgh enough to pick the right quarterback. Um, and there wasn't another one picked for a very long time. So I don't know that he's that much better than these guys, but Pittsburgh has their guy and. We'll see what the next era of Steelers football is. Yeah, I mean, I like the fit as well. I think, you know, it's not the strongest quarterback class, so they go with a safer option. It's a great fit. I think you have Ben Roethlisberger for for the better part of two decades, and you're finally looking for a change, and I think that he can at least fill that role. I think, um, yeah, he's a hometown kid. I think he has a high floor, right? You know, he's you know a good pocket passer. He can make it happen. Um I like I like what he can do. I think you can't you can't really go wrong here because um, he's just he proves that he's at least pro ready, which I think is all you really need uh, as a as a baseline. You know, you have raw athleticism from other other players, but I think what Pickett can do in uh, Pittsburgh is great. Yeah, I I agree. I like what they did just because we kind of have to trust them. Uh, and we'll talk about the quarterbacks now. The other three quarterbacks that are drafted are Desmond Ritter to Atlanta, which we mentioned, Malik Willis from Liberty to Tennessee, and Matt Corral to Carolina. So that takes away four of the five biggest quarterback needs of the offseason. Atlanta now has Desmond Ritter in the room with Marcus Mariota. Tennessee, I wouldn't consider them a huge quarterback need, uh, but Ryan Tannehill is it getting older, so they're going to kind of do the the Kansas City model, as it's infamously called, mm-hmm. um, trying to big, bring Malik Willis up and get him ready by his second or third season. And then Matt Corral to Carolina, obviously it, it, it's a disaster down there. So who won out of those three? Pittsburgh, we could say, won it because they got to pick their one guy. Who won the quarterback carousel of the draft? To me, I think it's Tennessee because they're set up for the future. They have the guy who is considered the number one quarterback prospect. I'm curious. like. I don't know. He was the third guy off the board, so was he considered the number one prospect? I don't know. The quarterback was very confusing in this draft. Yeah, it's confusing because it's hard to just be like, oh, this team definitely won because you see these guys are getting taken in the third round. It's not like last year where you have the top few picks are all quarterbacks. Um, I do like Malik Willis for the Titans because of the, what do you call it, the Kansas City model, what they did with Alex Smith and, and Patrick Mahomes, so you, you can develop him and get him pro-ready. Pro ready. Uh, I'm interested to see where the Panthers go because obviously Sam Darnold was a disaster down there. But then you also think that Baker Mayfield is available via trade. I mean, is he a better bet than Matt Corral? I don't. I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but I think Baker Mayfield. I know I'm kind of changing the subject here. He's one of the biggest wild cards that's still out there because of of course the Browns now have have Deshaun Watson. And then, I guess, to pivot back, uh, Raider to the Falcons, we already kind of talked about that. And um, we'll we'll see what happens there. We really will. I mean, Marcus Mariota um, has kind of bounced around the NFL for a few years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they picked him up with the expectation that he can start games as a competent NFL player. And 
they're going to bring in a rookie and you know see if he can get that job. And another quarterback selected was Sam Howell. Coming into the college football season, he was the number one mocked number one overall pick. He ends up going as the number one pick in the fifth round to the Commanders. Uh, I like that pick as well because there's no real pressure in that situation. Obviously, you have Fitzpatrick in the room. You have Taylor. Or do they have Fitzpatrick anymore? I don't even remember. Don't, yeah. They have Taylor Heineke, that's for sure. Oh, and they have Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, yeah. I was, yeah. So, I forgot Carson Wentz was there. Good God. Um, so, they got that guy. So, they, they had that guy. Not a lot of, pre- not a lot of pressure. And, and I could see a situation where Carson Wentz gets hurt. We have all seen that a billion times. Yep. Or it's just very bad. And they can add Sam Howell into that mix and see what he produces. Obviously, they won a, or almost won a playoff game because Taylor Heineke was very good. In, in the playoffs, and he was kind of a guy we never heard of. So this could work out. Jack Cohn, local kid from Long Island, he signs an undrafted free agent contract with the Indianapolis Colts. So that's very exciting. And uh, Mr. Irrelevant was also a quarterback, Brock Purdy from Iowa State to the 49ers. Uh, Blake Bailey, excuse me, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky is the new Brian Hoyer. He goes in the fourth round to New England. Uh, that's about it for the quarterbacks because really – what I liked about this draft is that nobody forced it with the quarterbacks. Besides Pittsburgh, they, you could argue they forced it. But if you think all the way back to the E.J. Manuel, Geno Smith draft, the Jets forced Geno Smith being good, right? They picked him way high in the second round. So to me, I like that these the GMs this year waited until it was their value and picked the guy they wanted. Nobody forced it. Nobody jumped up. So overall, we'll see how these guys pan out. I think only one of them starts week one, though, and it's Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always too much pressure to take a quarterback early. You even see when you're watching the draft, they keep panning to the uh, quarterbacks that haven't been drafted just sitting there with their families. I'm yeah, like, I felt bad for Malik Willis. Yeah, Malik on, on day one was obviously tough, um, you know, hoping he could find a home. Obviously, you know, he's taken later on. But I think, to your point, uh, waiting and, and not forcing the, the early quarterback draft when you know you can get them in the third round and you know you can find better value early on. I think uh, GM should feel good about what they did. Agreed. Carson Strong from Nevada also signed with Philadelphia. He has mm-hmm. some injury concerns. So that's why he ended up going undrafted. There was no Baker Mayfield trade. He's still on the Cleveland Browns. Roger Goodell was asked by Mike Greenberg before the first round if there was a Deshaun, up, a Deshaun Watson update. There was not one of those. And then Friday morning, the Trevor Bauer suspension comes down from MLB where he gets suspended for two full seasons uh, for a sexual assault situation he was involved in. I don't know that Baker Mayfield could stay on that team. I don't think it's possible. But trading for him is not financially responsible for any team at this point besides the Seattle Seahawks, and they've pretty much said they're not going to do it. So... Is Cleveland just waiting for... I don't understand why he wasn't traded to one of these teams who didn't take a quarterback until the third or fourth or fifth round. He could have been a Carolina Panther. He could have been an Indianapolis Colt. He could have been a Seattle Seahawks. He still kind of can be. could have been a Pittsburgh Steeler. And at the end of the day, he's still sitting there... At home with Baker Mayfield. At home with Baker Mayfield (laughs) in the progressive field. Exactly. It, It makes no sense at all because, literally, you have this guy. He's a $19 million cap hit to your team. And for what? To just sit on your bench? I mean, why would you do that if you're the Cleveland Browns? If you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, of course, you're operating under the assumption that he'll play. I know we just brought up that recent suspension in the MLB, so there could be something coming down on Watson. 
But uh, to come back, yeah, the Panthers, they, they picked Matt Corral. You know, th- there were opportunities for other teams to, to trade for Mayfield if they really wanted to. And at this point, I think Seattle, I know they have Drew Locke right now, but they're probably the one team that would, you know, that could use a Baker Mayfield. But even so, why trade for a guy with a contract that heavy that won't give you? Because it's only one year, I think. And oh, his deal's expiring. His deal's yeah. expiring, okay. and Cleveland can eat part of the contract. Yeah, I don't know. I, Maybe they'll figure it out. I don't see it. I, I, I don't. I, if he ends so, up being the backup quarterback in Cleveland, that's going to be hilarious. A saga in yeah. and of itself. There was no Debo Samuel trade, as we mentioned. He still wants out. Odell Beckham Jr. was just bored apparently the other day and said that Debo had been traded to the Patriots. Would it give me a heart attack, Odell? Uh, he was not. He obviously still could be. He still could be traded anywhere. He still wants out or wants a new contract, he's pretty much said at this point he's not playing under the last year of his rookie deal, uh, and we'll see where it goes. But, I mean, he was the best receiver in football last year up there, him and Cooper Cup were the two best receivers in football last year, and at this point he's not playing if week one was tomorrow. So uh, it's very interesting. Uh, I do think he's going to remain a 49er. I think they're going to try to figure out something to do with Jimmy G, whether it's a cut or trade or something to free up the cap space to sign him. Because that's really what's holding them back at this point is that the fact they have a quarterback who isn't going to play next year theoretically under this giant contract. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen if you ask me now. Um, but I mean, this is this has really gone a little crazy here with Debo Samuel. Yeah, it's the the era of players holding out until they get what they want. It's it's definitely interesting. You see it in the NBA a lot. I mean, Ben Simmons. I don't even want to get into that, but. Uh, it's going to be interesting because Debo Samuel, to your point, was one of the top two was a top two wide receiver last year, and it's so weird because from the 49ers perspective, you want to keep this guy, but yet Debo for some reason put up outrageously good numbers, and yet is is not pleased with with how he was used. I mean, it's just it almost makes no sense. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. But he wants a new contract. They don't want to give him a new contract. If I'm San Francisco, I just give it to him and figure it out later. Just you, you're the best player on the team. But I don't know. I, I clearly they're not going to do that. The other one was DK Metcalf and the Seattle Seahawks. No trade there. They don't draft a quarterback. So right now it's Drew Locke throwing to DK Metcalf. By the end of the week, it could be Baker Mayfield throwing to nobody. <laughs> Who the hell knows with this team? Yeah. They are they are a spiraling tirade. Uh, it's over. The Seahawks. Run is over. Obviously, Russell Wilson isn't there anymore. So, I, man, uh, this is a tough one. I wanted DK on the Jets. That was the number one guy for before when deep before Debo and Tyreek Hill made their claims known. I thought DK was for sure going to be a Jet, uh, and he isn't. So, I guess he's a Seahawk. I, I is the trade mark is the trade season over? I probably not, considering how crazy this offseason has been. It's just it, it's weird uh, because Metcalf even said he's going to stay. He went on I think Shannon Sharp's podcast the other day and he said, "I'm going to be in Seattle for the next couple of years." That's what I think, and it's it's like what? Why would you say? That? I mean, you're you're 24 years old. You're one of the top players on the roster. You're your quarterback that's been there for the 2010s. He was the 2010 Seahawks franchise QB. He's gone. He's in Denver. So why are you sticking around? Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And. I think he could very easily get traded for a haul, uh, but maybe he doesn't want to anymore. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Catch a passes from Drew Locke. Give uh, Jerry Judy a call. See how that ended for him. Uh-huh. Uh, ended with your guy being there. So 
that's uh, that's pretty much all I got for the draft. And I, we have some winners and losers to go through. For me, the winners are the Jets and the Giants. I love both of their picks, but the team we didn't talk about a ton is the Eagles. They went out and got Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia, who's one of my favorite players in college football. Dude's an absolute house. He runs a sub-540. Absolute machine. In the third round, they picked up N'Kobe Dean, who how did he fall to the third round? So I love what Philadelphia crazy. did as well. So the local, the locals with the two New York teams and the Philly team, I think did absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I'll also throw in, I think the Ravens going a bit further south. I think, you know, they took Kyle Hamilton at 14. If you were watching the draft, you know, you look at the bottom of your screen, it says best available. He was there for so long, safety out of Notre Dame. See, as a Jet fan, after the Jamal pick, I was terrified of him. Terrified of Kyle Hamilton. So I'm glad the Jets didn't draft him. I wish him all the best. I hope yeah, he's the next hope, Ed Reed. Right? You hope so. But, they wow, also turned, I was terrified of Yeah, him. but they also turned Marquise Brown. That uh, you know, They got Tyler Linderbaum out of that trade, which I think is is a good move to give uh, Lamar Jackson protection up front. Then you get David Ojabo, Ojabo, however you say his name. He lands. You know, I think he, he also adds some some stuff. And then you get a guy like Travis Jones as well. I think that's a steal. Yeah. yeah they didn't add anybody to replace Brown, but, you know, oh well. Uh uh, my losers, I have Arizona, as I mentioned. Yep. Uh, Jacksonville, we sit here questioning their picks again. They have the first overall pick. We we're asking who really has the power in that room because Shad Khan wanted one guy and uh, Trent Baalke wanted Walker and Doug Peterson wanted another guy. And it seems like Trent Baalke has won the power struggle. And Houston is another loser for me because they, A, didn't draft a quarterback and B, picked the wrong cornerback. Yep. So I, I didn't like what any of those teams did. Yeah, uh, agreed. I also, it's hard to call the Patriots losers, but what they did taking Cole Strange so early when you saw the Sean McVay press conference, they thought that Strange would be there in the third round, whether that was a joke or not. I mean, this guy was a projected mid to late second round pick. So it was it was a weird pick. And I also think that they got uh, Tyquan Thornton in the second round, and a lot of analysts see him as, a lot of speed, a lot of raw athleticism, but he's more of a track star than an actual football player at this point. Yep. And a lot of people didn't expect him to go to day three. And and they have an extremely crowded running back depth chart. You know, that's Bill Belichick right there. And then they, they took two more running backs this year. I mean, it doesn't yeah. – I just don't really see what they're doing. And then they spent a fourth rounder on another quarterback. Like, what do you, you just got Mac Jones. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I heard somebody say that the last time the – Patriots took a offensive lineman who nobody had ever heard of in the first round. It was Logan Mankins, and that worked out pretty well for them. So, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna, as you mentioned, I'm not gonna put Patriots as a loser because they have proven time and time again they have a way of scouting guys that works. Yeah. The other teams don't. So, to me, yeah, I agree. Cole Strange, I literally never heard of that person, um, and <laughs> it's it's insane to me that they picked that guy. But hey, you know what? Good for them. Uh, good for him, and, and hopefully he's able to, to slot in and, and protect Mac Jones and make holes for any of the 7 billion running backs they can put in the backfield uh, there. So at the end of the day, you and I are super happy about our teams, the Jets and the Giants, and what they did. And now it's time to get uh, into training camp, into OTAs, and hope that this is a good season for the Jets and a really bad season for the Giants that they get a fun, a fun quarterback to get excited about. Um, but, yeah... This year is the year to the side of Zach Wilson is good, and I hope to God he is because, man, oh, man, uh, this could be a really fun team. If he, if I can't wait. I'm not even a Jets fan, and I can't wait to watch him. I mean, it's yeah. going to be an awesome season. If, if, they're, if they are playing meaningful games after Halloween, that will be a 
a godsend because uh, they haven't done that since 2015. So thank you for joining us, Bridge. Uh, greatly appreciate your analysis on all of this. And and uh, thank you for listening to NFL Friday, WFUV's football podcast. We broke down the NFL draft. I don't know when the next episode of NFL Friday is, but I know that this is probably my last one as a senior. So thank you for listening for all these years uh, of NFL Friday. For Bridge Gotham and our producer, Eli Keeler, I'm Chris Hennessy, and we'll talk to you soon.